rate us. Subscribe to us. It's the podcast, In Goal Radio, the podcast of Back on the Air. Love it. Every week we look forward to talking goaltending with you. And if you're watching any of the features that we put up on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe those. It's rate and subscribe on podcasts. It's like and subscribe on YouTube. Basically, just make sure that you're dialed into what we're putting out because it is outstanding in this wide world of hockey and in particular, goaltending. Darren Millard. On the air with you on the Hockey Shop, a source for sports story, thehockeyshop.com, presenting In Goal Radio, the podcast with my good friends, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, the brains behind the op- operation. And you guys, uh, you guys have a, a lot going on right now. Uh, the feature interview is coming up with Garrett Sparks, who is uh, working his career around uh, the National Hockey League and the American Hockey League. And he is a one fascinating individual to chat with. He is a pure goalie. Uh, so much fun. Uh, well, as the Sense Arena uh, feature interview, and we'll also get to uh, True Skates in our uh, gear segment brought to you by the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. But uh, out of the gate, uh, did you guys see the diving poke check by Marc-Andre Fleury? And just who who do you think jumped higher? Was it Hutch or Woody at uh, looking at something like that? We were cheering pretty loud over here. <laughs> yeah, you can never get enough of those. It's such a highlight. And uh, reminded us a little bit of uh, some pro reads recently, didn't it, Woody? I was going to say, it reminded me right away of the uh, sort of double dip we did, back-to-back pro reads with Devin Dubnik, who, of course, was at the other end of the ice when Fleury did that and had some nice compliments after the game in addition to the poke check. I think Doobie's quote was, we might have set the record for the most two-pad stacks in the 2020s in one game because those guys like to go outside the box and throw it a little old school sometimes. And, you know, Flower pretty much to a T followed the description of Dubnik's keys that he shared with us in pro reads on, uh, on, on, on making a poke check in terms of catching the guy with his head down. And then the one key being once you're in, you got to be all in hundred percent full extension. There's no point going halfway. And man, flower just nailed that one on a Vander Kane. That was fun to see. I could not believe how far out of the net he ended up being like, we're talking 25 feet away from the goal line by the time that he executes the, the poke check. And yeah, if, if, well, one, Evander Kane was coming with so much speed and then did put his head down, but wow, uh, perfectly executed. And, and it catches everybody in the rink uh, by surprise. And yes, there's people in the rink in Las Vegas. So uh, that's, uh, that's a lot of fun. And Devin Dubnik, you guys bring up uh, his name, being with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, there's a guy, expiring contract. If I need any type of goaltending depth right now, I just had a chance to watch him in back-to-back games and he didn't win either game against the, the high-flying Golden Knights right now. But he was great. I would for sure take a look at Devin Dubnik. Well, and, you know, from a contract standpoint, because let's be honest, as we start talking about trade deadline and potential guys moving potential places, there's the quarantine in Canada, which is an issue for some, but also contracts. Not a lot of money out there, flat cap environment, not very many teams in buying mode. But I'm pretty sure that Minnesota is already carrying a portion of Devin's contract this year because I saw his cap hit in San Jose is like only 2.18 or something like that. So, if you get him from the Sharks, that other portion is already eaten and you can actually get him at a pretty good bargain. Not that not that we're encouraging for Devin to have to move because he's he's had to jump around a little bit and um, that might kind of suck for him. But if there's a good opportunity, you're, you're right. He's playing a lot. He's playing really well right now and he's uh, better than some of the raw numbers might indicate. And I saw some of that action too and I thought he was really good. So uh, fascinated to see where this goes. Yeah, and he was actually quoted this week, Woody, as saying he would even consider waiving the 10-team no-trade clause he's got if it means moving to a contender. So, 
There you go. It well, wouldn't call for him necessarily. You know, the other one. There guys, we go. That's why I wasn't sure. Yeah, the other one, guys, that uh, that I think would be worth looking at is is our friend Jonathan Bernier, who's uh, showing really well over the last few years on a team that's not a great team, and I think people are recognizing his performances. Although, as we record this on Thursday evening, uh, he's just left a game having had uh, two players fall on his head in a collision. So, hoping Jonathan's okay, and and hoping that uh, there's some good things in the future for him. Uh, we'll have to check back with uh, uh, an update on Jonathan Bernier. Maybe, uh, Hutch, can you possibly get in touch with the the guru of goaltending and and see if maybe we can lean on him to find a way to to bring a uh, bring us closer to the action? Yeah, I, I like I don't even have a chirp ready for that because we do work with the guru of goaltending in this league, as he was quoted on uh, on TV just just last night, the night before. Woody, when was it? You guys politely left out how he kind of said, kind of, the goaltending. Well, you know, I'd take it. So that it. was Elliot Friedman on Rogers and, uh, and referred to Kevin Woodley. And he does credit you whenever he reaches out mm-hmm. and chats with you. But uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard uh, Friedman call you the guru of goaltending. I, I, it's appropriate. Absolutely. But that's the first time that I've heard it. I'm blushing over here, guys. And I can tell you the first thing that happens when, when, whenever... I get credit on like hockey night because Elliot, you're right. And Kelly Rudy too. They're so good at when they reach out on something and they really don't need to, but a lot of times it's tiny little small details, but they, they credit where they, you know, who they talk to on it. And it, it means a lot. And my phone lights up every time and it's my beer league teammates and the chirps are like clockwork predictable. Like yeah, these guys have clearly never seen you play. So yeah, we have some good fun with it, and it's much appreciated when those guys are uh, kind enough to sort of say nice things. You're going to have to change your email signature to Kevin Woodley, guru of goaltending in this league. Do as I say, not as I do. GGOC, goalie guru <laughs> of the crease. That's him. Kevin Woodley of uh, In Goal Radio, the podcast, In Goal Magazine. Uh, you did some, some work uh, this week, Woody. Going back to an old episode of In Goal Radio, the podcast, and an episode that involved Sean Burke, because it kind of goes and fits with what Burke is going to try and accomplish with the Montreal Canadiens taking over their goaltending department. Well, it does. And, and yet I think the truth is we don't really know what he's going to do. So I think um, in terms of, you know, there's a lot of speculation, you know, what's going to change for Carey Price with, with the change in goaltending coaches. And the irony is it's kind of like, I don't know what changes, right? Not only because Sean's kind of in radio silence and understandably so, um, but because, you know, like he worked, Kerry worked three, four days, four days with Stefan Waite before they fired Stefan. And I think he's like four, one and one or four, two and one since then with like a 950 save percentage. So, uh, and, and talking to Stefan, some of the things they worked on were sort of, you know, not being as aggressive and playing a little deeper and shortening his movements, which are some of the things I think most people suspect Sean is going to bring from a philosophy standpoint. And so the truth is none of us know. We don't know how much change Sean's going to try and make mid-season. We don't know how much change is necessary. It's Carey Price. It's the Montreal Canadiens. So the spotlight burns bright and we, we, everybody kind of feels like we do at least need to take a shot at what that might look like. And I thought it was good to go back to the interview with Sean because frankly, there aren't that many out there where, you know, like he did with us. And so was gracious with his time, sort of career retrospective, but also how his philosophy as a goalie coach developed, right? Cause he's a, he'd been a coveted goaltending coach for, he's turned down job offers 
you know, since leaving the Coyotes in that role, like a lot of teams would like to have him. He's called the goalie whisperer by many. And so going back to that interview and sort of digging into what he told us about the philosophy, how it evolved under a layer, interestingly enough, at the age of 32, 33, similar age to Gary Price right now and how he changed his game under Benoit Lair and how, in his own words, like that is how he's taught ever since. So, you know, again, not saying that's what's going to happen with Kerry, but certainly there are hints in that philosophy. And to me, the interesting thing, a lot of the focus will be on playing deeper in the crease because we think of Allaire and Henrik Lundqvist and Mike Smith under Sean Burke. Uh, maybe not goal line like those guys, but deeper than he has in the past. To me, it's more about how he gets there. Because with Stefan Waite, there was a little more flow in his game, a little more out early and backwards retreat. And with Sean, it's about sort of set early deeper, beating passes to position on your feet, on your skates. And then if you need to take ice, you can take ice there. But it's more of an inside out, goal line out for Henrik Lundqvist rather than outside in philosophy. And so as much as the focus is going to be on, I think on the outside, people are talking about depth. To me, it's how he gets there that might be more fascinating. And, you know, like a lot of people, I'm curious to see what happens once he's on the ice. Um, starting this weekend, actually, with the Montreal Canadiens and how much adaptation he's looking for uh, in Kerry's game. And, and also, Marco Marciano has been out there working. And we saw him here in Vancouver with Kerry and a lot of drills that were focused on sort of having the hands out front. Uh, rather than getting them sort of on the body and a little bit lost behind his vision at times, trying to keep those active hands. I watched them work and that really seemed to be a focus. So, um, you know, because the spotlight's so bright, every little detail gets nitpicked and, and we were kind of a little guilty of it too on that one. But I just thought it was, that was worthwhile at least sharing Sean's philosophy because I hadn't really seen it anywhere else laid out um, to the degree he did with us. And to be honest with you, I think we might see some of that uh, on Hockey Night in Canada this Saturday from Kelly Rudy in terms of taking a look at some of the things he told us and shared with us there. The other piece that I find interesting that you talked about there that not enough people touch on, Kevin, is is the fact it's not about playing deep in the crease and you need to stand on the goal line. It's play whatever depth allows you to beat everything on your feet. And that's a recurring theme today that I think young goaltenders need to hear more of. It's about staying on your feet, not sliding everywhere around the crease. Well, and the, the other voice that was part of that article that we went to was Devin Dubnik. And again, we, you know, I, I sent him a text and we had a little back and forth, but mostly it was just going again back to his podcast as recently as I think it was episode 104. So, you know, just like eight weeks ago. And, and we had talked to him again, looking back at his career and the impact that Sean Burke had. And he talked about the same thing. It was all about... If you couldn't beat that pass on your skates, you had too much ice. That was kind of the rule of thumb. If you couldn't get there and be set and square on your skates, then you were too far out. And, um, you know, I, I think as a philosophy, and Devin said, like, he didn't tell me that I had to be inside out. I could have played with a little flow. As long as I could do that, that's all that mattered. And so I don't know that it's as rigid as a lot of people um, might expect in terms of it must be this way. It's just a guideline that I know Doobie really appreciated and was a big turning stone in his career. And it'll be interesting to see how easy it is for Kerry to apply it as well. That'll be fascinating to watch if Kerry's able to continue this momentum, how much you really do tweak uh, from the aspect of, of Sean Burke getting his hands on him. Like just from a professional, from a success, from a here and now, no matter where you want to go, uh, what he does with them in the midst of a playoff race. 
I would think you used the right word there, though, Darren, is, is tweak. And I wouldn't expect to see any great changes because any wise teacher is going to get to know their pupil better uh, before they start doing very much at all. And of course, with a completely different level of respect with a Carey Price than you might have with many other students, uh, I would expect that Sean's going to take his time before he makes any great changes. And if he does, they're going to be tweaks, as you say, in the midst of a playoff race. But I would think under any circumstances anyway. And the other thing is we're talking about, you know, like I'm watching this in Vancouver. I'm watching Braden Holtby, who, you know, much like Kerry is a goaltender who plays with a lot of instinct and has played with a lot of flow and relies on those instincts. And sometimes, you know, the thing is that when they're on and Kerry's done it like for such a long time, when you're so good at those reads and those instincts and you play at such a high level with them, it's like, why would you change that? But in some regards, for, for other goalies, reliance on instinct can usually lead to more ups and downs because you're, you, there's not a technical foundation. And I'm watching Braden here in Vancouver under Ian Clark try to change the technical foundation, how he moves in the crease, how he plays on his posts, how he transitions into them, how he transitions out of them. Those are big technical changes. And when I watch Braden play now, it's hard not to have the sense of a goaltender who's kind of stuck in between um, all these things he's trying to add to his game in practice and then just going out there and playing as a goalie who's played on instinct and with a lot of flow. And there's been times where it looks like he's caught between two worlds. The thing with, with Sean and Carey, regardless of how many changes he might make or how much he might ask him to change his depth, for example, or how he moves in his crease in terms of where he is and inside out versus outside in, those are all tactical changes. You're not reinventing the wheel technically, I don't think. Um, and that, to me, is a simpler adjustment than, hey, we're going to make all these technical changes, and you have to get comfortable with them to the point where they're instinctive. And oh, by the way, we're halfway through a season, and you've been running a 950 for the last six. Probably not half. Presented by the Hockey Shop, source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. Just a little bit more on Braden Holtby. Would he have known that that process was going to take place when he signed with Vancouver? Or is that part of the trickle-down of signing with a team and then working with a new goalie coach and what comes with changing teams? That's a really good question. I to be honest with you, Darren, I would be guessing with an answer and I don't, you know, I don't like to may may not sound like it most weeks, but I don't like to talk out of my ass. I like no, I do like it when somebody says they don't know. I Yeah, and I and I don't know. I suspect not. Like I suspect I suspect that those conversations with the goalie coach happen after. I mean, he certainly like I mean, he signed here in Vancouver before Jacob Markstrom even left, right? Like like they had signed him prior to Markstrom choosing Calgary. It was a pretty quick transaction. I don't know how deep those conversations would have been. He certainly would have been aware of Ian Clark from a reputation standpoint. Maybe he would have asked around the league to other guys who had played with them. Um, to be honest, though, I'm not sure. Like, that's actually, hopefully I get a chance here. If this was non-COVID times, I'd, <laughs> you know, I'd just There's bump up next to him in the know. room. I, I, well, I, if I didn't, I'd be able to go into the next home game and just slide next to him in the locker room and ask a quick question, but... Nowadays, in the era of Zoom and availabilities and stuff like that, it's probably not one I'm asking. So I will try and get that answer, though, because it is it is fascinating. I think the degree of change, without wanting to assume or put words in his mouth, 
I think the amount of changes he's been asked to make might be a little bit of a surprise to him um, when he arrived. And he came in early. He knew that there were changes coming because he came in early to work with Ian Clark. Um, and, you know, and, and by the accounts I've had, he was kind of blown away uh, a little bit by how good Thatcher was at a lot of these elements that they were trying to add to him, like how good Thatcher moved. Like there's very specific sort of movement patterns, increased movement patterns that Ian does that, you know, aren't, I don't want to say, it's not like they're uncommon, but they're different. They're, the, the way he asks his goalies to execute them are different. And I remember even Markstrom after his first year being so excited because he played really well. And I was surprised to hear him tell me how excited he was for the following season, which was last year, because there were things he couldn't do physically that Ian wanted to put in his game, but he just couldn't do them physically. And he needed an off season to change his training to be able to do them. Really? And then of course last year. Yeah. And then last year he comes in just in terms of range of motion through the hips and to be comfortable with some of those movements and the extension involved. And then last year he comes in and he's comfortable with all those things. And all those elements are just that, even that much crisper. You think of the double seal, like, Hey man, like I, a lot of guys aren't putting, they're not, and he doesn't even call it the double seal, but there aren't, there aren't a lot of guys that can sort of just go one skate on one post, one skate on the other post and just move as seamlessly yeah. in and out of it as Markstrom now does. Or, you know, we were talking about this earlier, uh, Hutch off the air, like just Demko's transitions in and out of his posts. Like that play comes down the wing. It's T-push, T-push, like, or shuffle, 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 boom, into the reverse VH. The play could go around behind the net at full speed, like full speed down the wing behind the net. And he is across. Pads on the ice, both a foot on each post. And if it comes out the other side, he is bang up and at the top of his crease as fast as a lot of guys can do it on their skates. Like they're just that quick with the movements. We've seen some of these videos on, you know, on Twitter and on social media. And that stuff doesn't happen overnight, man. Like those are, that's a movement pattern that Thatcher has been in here like for a couple of years working on and was in, came into Vancouver in like October. So he could continue to work on that stuff early with Ian Clark. So I'm just blown away that, a professional athlete couldn't physically do some of that stuff. Uh, a, a person in the National Hockey League. That's that's extraordinary. And and obviously he worked very, very hard at it to to be able to put that into his game. Sometimes yeah, it's, I mean, credit I to Jacob Markstrom too. Yeah, I've, I mean, I'm not going to name names, but I've watched a few guys this year where I've texted coaches that I know have worked with him. And I said, like, is this guy even physically capable of getting into that position? Um, there's, there's quite that. And as you say all the time, Woody, isn't that one of what makes this position so fascinating? There's so many ways to do it. And I would say there's so many different people and bodies that, that achieve what they need to in the net in different ways. So we're not all made to play it, the play it the same way. Hey, Woody, 15 minutes ago, when you started answering that question, I was thinking that it, uh, it tied into our feature interview in, in a few ways, because, uh, you speak, you speak to him today about changes he had to make physically in his game so that he was able to get around the crease, um, you know, off ice and the transition. So I think it was really apropos that, that you, uh, that you brought that up. But, but when, when you started, I, I was thinking about the free agency period, cause didn't they change it this year that they don't have that, that courting period where you can interview teams and get to know what's going on there. So the pressure that would have been on Holtby to make a decision fairly quickly, I assume, wouldn't have uh, left that opportunity to speak too much to Ian Clark or other people in the organization about changes they might foresee. And again, uh, Garrett Sparks in today's interview alludes to uh, how he had, he had to play out the free agency period this year and maybe having had some opportunities that he said he misplayed. Um, 
not really being specific about that, but the fact that the the pressure of that uh, goalie musical chairs that we talk about every year was elevated even more this year with the change in things and would have made that harder for everybody, including Holtby. It's a great observation. Yeah, yeah, it is. That that is. It was a, it was a crazy year, and we talk about that with Garrett, and and you know we've talked about that before, right? You make the wrong choice, and you can get left without a chair. And so there's pressure to make that decision early. And there weren't a lot of guys sort of commanding that 1A chair. Like it was pretty much a list of two. It was Jacob Arkstrom and Braden Holtby, right? So you had to grab that seat early. Garrett Sparks uh, is our feature interview brought to you by Sense Arena. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, he has had a, a real trip around professional hockey since he was a seventh round pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we'll walk through his career path. A uh, little bit about uh, him personally, and then let you hear the interview because uh, he's a he's a goalie first, and he's a goalie second, and he's a goalie third. Uh, he is a pure uh, a crease crease guy. Uh, but right now, let's get into the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports Surrey, and our gear segment. And uh, Cam's got a lot going on. The, the The team's got a lot happening over there. Yeah, well, in the gear segment, we're going to go into the true skates. Cam's got a new set of two-piece, so he's uh, he's doing a little testing for us on that. We went through the whole process of baking it, which allowed me to... You should see the amount of saran wrap involved in baking those things and making that custom fit. Even though it's a custom fit skate, you still got to sort of mold it. Um, so I had some fun wrapping the saran wrap around his head when we were done. Got a, got managed to get a couple words in edgewise as you guys... Children, don't try this at home. Yeah, please. Warning the from disclaimer. the lawyers. Nobody <laughs> use the saran wrap on their head after fixing their skate. Oh, yeah. I mean, after my last 15-minute answer, I was waiting for Hutch to come through the screen to wrap mine. Um, but in the meantime, uh, and there are some good stuff at the end of this. Make sure you listen because he's got some sort of... As odd as it would seem for pro, like to, to get a pro return custom fit skate, if your foot fits the pattern, there's some pretty cool opportunities there with the true at thehockeyshop.com. Uh, but also some really great sales right now on other brands. Uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Eflex 5 launch uh, with the customizer being live. That means that Eflex 4 is on sale. And of course, Eflex 5 has flat knee rolls. Well, so does a lot of the Eflex 4 stock at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports because they did a custom order four flat knee rolls, and that is now all on sale, heavily discounted. Uh, the top of the line through the lower tiers, some really great price points there for goalies, um, as well as we've got next week, the Bauer customizers getting set to launch with Hyperlite, and that means that past lines of Bauer are also on sale. So big sales on Bauer, on CCM, on a lot of different brands right now as we, they sort of clear the space out. Make room for 2021 gear that's coming in the very near future. Uh, your opportunity to save on models from past years. Really great deals there for especially youth, adult league guys. Like the, Let's be honest. Uh, we all love the pro gear, but we don't all need it. Uh, there's some really great discounts on that second price point. And I got to say, um, you know, companies like CCM and Bauer have done a really good job with those second price points in terms of quality and what you get. And with the THS spec, the hockey shop spec, that includes, well, we talked about the flat knee rolls. How about D3O in the palm of a second price point glove? How about D3O in the index finger of the second price point glove? Those are the type of specs that the hockey shop gets for their second price point, special buying power, and those are the type of things that are all on sale right now at the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com. They take care of you from head to toe, from the bottom up, and that's where we start today with our gear segment. The True Skates, as we send you over to the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, and Source for Sports, Surrey, with Kevin and Cam. 
Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia with Cam Matwiv and his latest pride and joy. I'm pretty sure he goes to sleep with them at night. His true two-piece custom-built skates. Um, we are going to have a complete overview of the process, the fitting process, uh, the heat molding process, some of the specs that are available up at ingolmag.com later on. But today we just wanted to talk about the general sort of differences between the two-piece that Cam has and, and especially the feel since he's had it on the ice and tested it and the one piece that I'm holding uh, from the true line. Cam, we'll start with yours. Why'd you choose the, the two-piece? And walk us through some of the keys, the takeaways, both in terms of, you know, from a sales presentation, if, you, if I was walking down here for the first time asking about this product, but also now your feedback, you know, you've had it on the ice and been through the heat, you know, been through the heat molding process, been through the fitting process, start to finish what it's like. Yeah, so uh, to kind of cap everything right off the bat, uh, I've had a chance to get these out on the ice, obviously, uh, I've been doing some goalie clinics in them, so I really had the chance to work on movements and get a good feel for the skate itself. By goalie clinics, you mean somebody else is teaching you? Yes, yeah. Okay, I thought maybe you were implying that you were teaching somebody else, in which case I was just going to get up and leave, but continue. <laughs> it's tough, it's tough. So one of the things that I really needed, uh, or custom skates that definitely apply to me, is where my ankle bone sits. I have a very forward set ankle bone, um, very flat-footed. So what that causes is, uh, on a lot of the stock skates in particular, I, I grind up against the eyelet package, so I need a lot more volume in the skate in particular, especially in this area. Um, so, so far from what I've found, the, the skate is more than I adequately provided that. I've created a bit more of a pocket for my ankle to sit back, so I haven't had to worry about, uh, you know, grinding up against the eyelets or anything like that. Now, in terms of making sure that you get that fit, that customization, um, that starts with the scans that you do, and, and you would be the person doing this if someone comes into the store, but I've got, you know, we'll show some video of you having it done. It starts with getting scans of your actual foot, identifying some of those unique features of your foot, and you definitely have some unique feet, um, and making sure the skate's built up around them. Correct. Um, so kind of moving down to uh, why I ended up in the two-piece um, and some of the differences. Um, I'm coming from a set of uh, Bauer skates, my last pair. Um, so I'm a bit more used to the height that uh, the two-piece skate provides. Um, I also wanted to kind of keep the general all-around feel, and I also wanted to test out 4mm steel because I haven't used it in quite a long time. Um, things that I felt right off the bat, you can really feel the difference of between a 4 and a 3 mil in terms of how it cuts into the ice. I normally go 3 eighths and a 3, it went 7 sixteenths in the 4, and it still felt sharper to me um, in the 4 mil. Um, pushes themselves, I could really feel the anchor and push, and that has a lot to do with the stiffness profile of the boot, especially as it doesn't flex when you go to go push. Um, very, very solid pushes across. A um, bit of uh, the things I'm still kind of working on and getting used to would definitely be the pitch of the skate itself. I haven't got these profiled at all or anything like that. Um, I do feel like I'm a bit more forward set and that is something I've had to kind of work on a little bit. Um, what I do feel, especially uh, movements coming off of the post and getting set is where I really feel I've still got to find my balance point in the skate. But I think with a couple more ice times, I'll get there. So you're ending up on your face instead of your ass, like usual. Well, okay. I mean, don't answer that. <laughs> so that's some of the key differences, folks. Um, the two-piece, definitely taller uh, profile in terms of sitting higher up the ice with, with the, uh, the height of the holder. Um, the pitch, it's got more of a forward pitch, whereas the one-piece, again, you're going to be a little lower to the ice. Same custom fit program, but you're going to be a little lower to the ice. 
compared to the two-piece, and you're going to be more of a neutral, still a forward pitch, like all skates have forward pitch, but a lot more neutral compared to the two-piece skate that true off. Yes, yeah. And then, I mean, you've kind of hit the key points uh, to that one piece uh, already. Um, I still have quite a few goalies that come in um, that do request that, you know, if they don't necessarily want that tallest deal, they want to be a little bit closer to the ice, feel a little bit more connected as they're moving, and you don't have to feel like you're on stilt uh, throughout those movements. So it's definitely an option for you, um, especially with the way pads nowadays are sitting up higher on the boot anyway. Um, so we're having to not worry about as much dragging on the ice, which can be caused by that lower sitting skate as well. Um, in terms of fit profile-wise, they're going to be identical. It's really, again, just that, um, that one-piece holder itself. Um, well, I mean, it's a custom-built skate, so it, the fit is going to be pretty much to your foot, no? Correct. correct. Okay, and so, again, there is a heat mold process with these. You know, a lot of people might think, oh, it's a full custom skate, so it should fit right out of the box. But um, there is some pliability here when heated up. So it really, when we go through the heat process, you know, some people will be like, well, why do I need a heat mold? Well, it really creates more of a, like a complete wrap around the foot over the top, no? Correct. So think about your skate sitting like this. When I heat it, I'm now getting that wrap all the way around. So that needs to happen, especially with these skates. Everything's ther thermal moldable and is activated by that heat. They do go in the oven for quite a bit longer than any of the other stock skates on the wall. Um, but that heat mold is... Um, in like you need to do it to be able to have the skate fit properly and even true says it, it shouldn't feel 100 percent if you try it on without that heat mold that heat mold is indicative of having that skate fit properly. best part of the heat mold process folks saran wrap a lot of saran wrap involved make sure you watch the video to figure out how that goes so we will have a complete breakdown of this process including you know some thoughts as you are getting fit some images from that people will be able to find that at ingolmag.com um, in addition to this video and the podcast. But I did want to mention one last thing because you guys do have um, pro stock skates on your website right now. And these are essentially pro returns from NHL, AHL, pro goalies in the custom fit. Now that's a bit of a tough one. Hell of a price point. Mm -hmm. um, real good bargain, like a pro level skate for $4.99. But again, when a skate's been built to someone's foot, how tough is it to find that matching fit? Does it need to be in person? Can you do it online? Or given that heat moldability, is there some wiggle room here in terms of you fitting in a skate that was, for example, made for? Yeah, that heat moldability is where the kind of key lies here. Um, so there is that flexibility there to find the right fit. However, this is a little bit more of a difficult process. Is like what, what I can't tell you in that size eight, two-piece skate that I have, for example, uh, it, it might be, uh, you know, a C width in the heel, but it also might be a DE width in the front uh, of the forefoot. And those are things that unfortunately uh, we just don't have the information of. Um, and frankly, neither did Troop be able to provide to us. So we just got the general size of what the skate was. Um, and we can basically go off that in terms of for your fitting, but there is a little bit of a roll the dice here unless you do get a chance to, you know, try them on in person. But if you happen to be in the area, make sure you come down and see Cam at the hockey shop in person because he'll be able to sort of roll out those skates, find some options that might fit you. And if you find one that works, $4.99 for a full pro true skate's a heck of a deal. If not, um, make sure you hit him up online or you can call him with more questions about the fit, about the difference between the two-piece and the one-piece. Pretty much everything you need to know, know about the skate from True. Cam, where can they get a hold of you? Yeah, you hold of me at 604-589-8299 or try our 1-800 number at 
567-7790. I've almost got that down by heart. Almost. Yeah. It's going to take him another year before he actually doesn't have to pull that out of his pocket, folks. All right, Cam, thanks for having us. This has been another gear segment from the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. Make sure you check them out online at thehockeyshop.com. Thanks, Cam. He he will get he will get the number. It's good. It's, he's making some progress. It's it's outstanding. Uh, I say progress. You say progress. I've adapted to the American uh, pronunciation, and uh, I won't apologize for it because it takes uh, a lot of heat off me on Twitter. <laughs> Listen, your I, when it comes to per- <laughs> yes, uh, I'm not I'm not touching pronunciations. I fear the wrath of Siri. Siri. After last week, I f- absolutely fear the wrath of Siri, so I'm not touching pronunciation. Progress, progress, process, process. Uh, that uh, that idea about baking the skates, and it it's sort of a, a no-brainer, but when I first got my VH skates, uh, uh, true, but it was VH then, uh, I put them on after getting the mold done and everything and thought it was just going to be perfect, and they hurt like heck. And I phoned and asked, what like, what went wrong here? And they said, did you bake them? No. And I put them, I bake them and they are, I cannot say adequately how comfortable they are. And I know that everybody has, has the, the, the 3d model now and, and so forth. And it's, it's just, if you haven't done this, you are, you are truly, uh, missing out on one of the great advances in hockey and goaltending technology. Yeah. I'm in a CCM, uh, custom fit, like where they did the 3d scan and everything like that. And, and same thing when they brought them in, they're like, okay, you have to bake them now. My first instinct was why they're custom fit. But I mean, at the end of the day, as Cam explained to, to me when we were doing it, uh, for a longer piece that you can keep an eye out for it in goldmag.com on the process. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you, it's still malleable materials and you still heat it up. And the more you heat it up and then tighten it up and use the, in, in the case of the VH, they tell you to, or the true, they, they tell you to use the saran wrap um, just to create even more of a wrap. And that's why when you put it on Darren, it feels like, you know, you're, you're fully enclosed in it. And the same with my CCM, it just creates more, it allows that malleable material to be sort of pulled over even more around your foot than just the customization and the fit does. It just gives it that much more of a sort of pulled in tight feel. The only issue I have with my true skates is getting them on and taking them off because you have to like really stuff your foot in there. But once you get them on, it fits like a glove, but it was, it's kind of weird that I have to struggle to get my foot in there and, and then take it, uh, take it out. Maybe you're still growing. Uh, <laughs> no, once I get once it gets in there, it's it's fine. It's just the the boot is so stiff. I, I, I have the one piece. Uh, the boot is so stiff, but uh, I love them. I think they're they're awesome. We have heard that a lot. Like that is the thing. Like they, they're this fit is so snug that like getting in and out of them is yeah. actually the hardest part. Um, you know, and, and interesting. The whole philosophy is there's not a lot of give in them, right? They're they're designed to sort of your foot moves, the skate moves. No lost energy transfer theories. And interesting, you know, though we. I do wonder a little bit of I mean, where that energy goes. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you don't have sort of some flex in the ankle or no give in the ankle, does it go up the chain? We've heard some guys that feel knees and hips get a little sore wearing them. So just things to keep in mind long-term as you try this on, like, um, you know, that, that, that whole concept of no lost energy transfer, like it's gotta go somewhere. It's gotta right. go somewhere. 
Uh, we have to go uh, somewhere as well, and uh, that is the Sense Arena VR feature interview. And uh, Garrett Sparks is our uh, feature interview this week. And uh, before we get into uh, what uh, he's been doing, he just seems like a perfect candidate for Sense Arena VR, Hutch. Yeah, I think Garrett would be a great guy to work with, and he would no doubt. I mean, he wouldn't just say that he, uh, you know, his experience with the product, but he would probably have a 12-page manual he sends back to Bob at Sense Arena <laughs> with all his suggestions for improving the product. So, he, uh, Bob, if you're listening, I think you might want to add Garrett to your goalie development team uh, over there. Um, yeah, I can't thank Sense Arena enough for their work with us at InGoal and, and at the InGoal Radio podcast. And um, we've got some exciting times ahead with them, guys. We're, we're actually talking to Bob about uh, what's going to be coming forth uh, this week. I uh, can't oh, really, you know, release too much on that. And if Bob's listening, I don't want to get in too much trouble. But I do know that we will be contributing some more uh, video pieces to them uh, for sharing our experiences with, uh, with the product and how you can use it to help your game. And, and, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because here we are, you know, just past that one year anniversary of when the NHL shut down and when the pandemic really hit all of us. And you can see in young goaltenders, especially, um, the fatigue is setting in. I mean, it set in a long time ago, but you've been doing the same thing over and over for months now. You've been going to practice. What we see on the ice from these kids is, is impressive. It's mature. But, uh, but they want to play some games. They want life to get back to normal. Sense Arena is an incredible opportunity to improve your goaltending ability uh, while doing something different. You can do it at home when you're not at the rink. You can change things up. You can try different levels of shooters. You can do things you're not doing on the ice. You can build skills in a way that you can't on the ice because of you know, the different tools that are available, like the angles and the box control and all the neurocognitive tools. It's just a really great opportunity in the midst of what we're doing. And I had somebody uh, write me today, in fact, guys, asking about it and said, honestly, tell me, you've been using it now for a while. Is Maddie still using it and enjoying it? And I don't know how long we've had it, guys. Five months, I think it is. And I can honestly say he's on the system virtually every day. And if he goes to a practice having not used it, he feels like he hasn't prepared properly to go on the ice. And you've heard me say it before. He calls it a cheat code for goaltending. His tracking is on when he's worked with it. So can't recommend Sense Arena enough to people. Uh, strongly encourage you to check out the webinar that we p posted over at InGoal. It's on the reviews tab of our website. It's open for everybody. You don't need to be a member. And you can see it in action. You can hear from a pro like Eric Comrie what it's like. Guys, uh, Sense Arena, it's just a fantastic tool. And we want to thank them for bringing our feature interview to us this week. And and how about this? When we get back to normal, and like in in Vegas, we're we're making some real real strides. Uh, shows the strip is is coming back. Uh, vaccinations are are really increasing. So I know I know that's not uh, Canada, but uh, in in the United States, there's there's been uh, big steps in the right direction. So that's going to mean travel. That's going to mean uh, people. We nobody's been anywhere for a while. Uh, if if you're going if you're a, a aspiring hockey player, if you're a professional hockey player, if you're a, a middle-of-the-road hockey player, your, your family's going on vacation in Cottage or Europe or wherever, you can take this thing with you. Anywhere. And, 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 and you can still get your, your hockey fix. You don't have to, have to worry at all about uh, being left behind because you, your family's going on vacation. I think that's a, 
a huge plus. The, I mean, that think the cottage for three weeks, boom, done. Or Hawaii for uh, three weeks, boom. You're gonna done. see as soon as the border opens, you're gonna see Woody on a beach in Maui trying to stop imaginary pucks while the waves on a crash. surfboard. Zen, Zen, better be a promise. That distance. better be a promise. <laughs> How good would that fo- promo that, be? That footage is coming, Bob. That footage is coming. Uh, so Garrett Sparks is a player that uh, I knew of back in my time in Canada, and he was in major junior hockey in Guelph, and then was drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs and came up and had the most sensational debut in Toronto Maple Leaf history as a goaltender with a shutout. And uh, but uh, was was also a guy that was he was seventh round pick and worked his way into the mix amazingly and got a couple of shots. He's uh, a free spirit. He's a lot of fun. He's a gear geek. He's uh, you guys talked uh, talk in the interview, and you'll hear about this. He's got a room above the garage, his little workshop, his his area. He told me that he keeps all his sets, and he's got like this little collection of his his various uh, sets. It's he's a, a pure ultimate goalie, isn't he? Yeah, and 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 it was interesting to talk to him. You know. And you'll hear it in the interview, the things he's learned along this path. And there's been ups and downs like there always is um, for goaltenders. Um, you're always riding sort of those waves. Um, but the lessons he's learned along the way uh, that really have, you know, there's still, still technical progression. You'll hear him talk about the work he's doing with the Flames. Uh, and Thomas Spear, who we actually had a, a, the power within to excerpt from recently at ingoalmag.com and how much he loves working with him and how much he's working on his skating. But the biggest lesson, and it's one that really made an impact in a mentorship role with Dustin Wolf in his short time with the, well, I almost called them the Abbotsford Heat, the Stockton Heat now playing out of Calgary um, in the AHL, where there was a mentorship component for for Garrett with Dustin. Like, I, I got a text from Dustin, and it's like, I had to scroll because it was like it was two full screens long about the impact that this had, and it really... You'll hear Garrett talk about it, but it's really about it comes down to, and it's something that Flurry talks about a lot, like like enjoying it, having fun. And for a guy who loves the position as much as he does, and it really comes out in this interview, I think he lost a little bit of that along the way. Um, you know, some concussion issues and things that took some of the fun out of it. Sometimes maybe the business can take the fun out of it, but realizing how important that is for him and then sharing that message and having a guy like Dustin Wolf had a tough start, right? Like, like, t- like, I think they were down five, nothing and, um, came to the bench and said that like the message that Garrett gave him about like, Hey, you're not having any fun. Like go have fun. And he, and he, and they shut the door from there on and took major strides the next game in his career. And, you know, like really credits Garrett's mentality and, and just the person he is for helping with that. And so, you know, clearly some lessons learned for him that he talks about along the way, some of them technical, some of them mindset, all of them important. I like the way he busts us too because we haven't talked to him yet. That that uh, that's really good. He he spent 17 games in the National Hockey League and 20 games in the National Hockey League, both with the Toronto Maple Leafs, the parts of two different seasons. He was in the middle of the pressure cooker. Uh, won a Calder Cup with the Toronto Marlies and was goaltender of the year in the American Hockey League, and now has kind of gone back to a reset uh, after the big merry-go-round of the off season but still is uh, having some fun and has kind of rediscovered himself in a way. Here's Garrett Sparks, the much-traveled, still a young man in the prime of his career, on In Goal Radio, the podcast, with our feature interview presented by Sense Arena VR. 
pleased now to be joined by Garrett Sparks of the Stockton Heat in Calgary. It's kind of tough to figure out how this all works, but playing in the American Hockey League right now and a conversation that's long overdue actually here on the Ingle Radio podcast because this guy uh, is as passionate about the position or has been throughout his career as anyone. Uh, a lot of people know he runs GGSU, a big part of that uh, world. Some of the sickest gear in the league, always been a style king. Um, and we just haven't had a chance to catch up. So let's start out with start out with right now, this offseason, because I know there was a lot of focus, Garrett. This was a tough offseason for goalies. Um, everybody focuses on the free agent frenzy at the high end, but with teams cutting back on salaries and and uncertainty about who would go, like there wasn't that frenzy at the at, at that tier right below that, and guys had to wait. And you end up going and playing in Orlando in the ECHL. And a lot of people look at that and go, oh, like he had no other options. But you looked at it differently. I heard a recent interview, credit to Rob Kerr. I really enjoyed the interview he did um, with the the Stockton broadcast, talking about going and rediscovering your passion for the position and passion for the game down there. So I just put a whole bunch of answers like in your mouth, but tell us why why you made that decision and how it's kind of played into this super strange year and off season for you. Uh, Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It is a long overdue interview and, uh, you know, I do have a lot to say about goaltending. So this is the perfect place to do that. Uh, I like to think my gear's nice. Shout out Brian's. They always do a great job. Uh, Doug Wager did a great job on my mask this year. Um, Bauer does a great job on my sticks and I love my true skates. So, you know, I love a, a couple different brands, but, um, you know, Shameless promotion for all of them. So going to Orlando definitely was not plan A of free agency. Um, but I had a couple offers at the NHL level and I just didn't really play them right. And I ended up kind of losing out uh, because of it. And like you said, it was just a funky year and um, maybe I bet on myself a little too much. But at the end of the day, I was fortunate to get an opportunity to go back to Orlando to play. And I've always said the East coast hockey league is a great league. And I think it's a true challenge for a goalie to play in that league and succeed. So anybody who can go to the East coast hockey league and play goalie there and put up, you know, good numbers and win games for their team is a quality goalie. In my opinion, what's the difference? Cause we've heard guys talk about that. Like, and, and how does it translate at the different levels in terms of how you have to adjust to styles or I'm guessing maybe more mistakes at different levels in front of you? Yeah, the East Coast League's more run and gun. Crazy things happen. Uh goalies fight. You know, <laughs> it's it's a it's a real hockey league. There's less systems. There's less uh you know there's general ideas of coaching, but the plan isn't always perfect down there. And to have a goalie that can make big saves and make all the saves he's supposed to too. You know, that's really what you're looking for uh, in a goalie. Uh, Clint Windsor was my partner down there. I played with Michael Lackey down there. They're both great. They're having uh, good success this year in the opportunities that they're, they're getting. Um, and then Jake Hildebrand down in Florida also is absolutely killing it right now. So a couple of good goalies down there that if teams need that kind of help, those are the kind of guys that can play. I think they get overlooked sometimes, but. Well, it's, it's funny because there are, you know, we've seen this in recent years, guys who have spent time 
you know, uh, as in the East Coast and and also in the AHL and not getting a shot, finally get that shot and show what they can do with it. And obviously Jordan Bennington becomes sort of exhibit A because he goes on to win a cup. But there are other guys in that mold. Like how many other guys have you watched play at those other levels and been like, man, if this guy gets a shot. Jordan Bennington's your prime example. We played against each other eight times a year in junior, and I always loved getting to play against Benner. It was always a pleasure. Uh, he was always fiery, and he was always he was always on. So you knew you needed to be on. So um, you know, I think he's probably my favorite goalie in the NHL right now, style wise, and uh, just his his confidence in himself and what he's been able to make of playing his game to, you know, a level that a lot of guys maybe don't have the courage to just be themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's been authentically him the whole way up. And I think that's the most admirable part about his game. Do you have to have some, like, he's got it. There's a swagger there, right? Unquestionably. Yeah, he's not afraid. Do you, does that, does that matter in goaltending? You can say it doesn't, but it does. It's about how you carry yourself. Now, Your team can feed off that, you know. In terms of just just confidence, like, is there is there a way to give besides just stopping the puck? Is there a way to manifest the confidence? Presence in net, right? Right. It's um, and it's a presence out of the net too. When you're not playing, what do you bring to a team? What do you bring on a daily basis? How do you challenge them in practice? Do you have fun with guys? Do you build guys up that are struggling? Do you you know, compete with your stars. Like, what do you bring, you know? Or do you just stand between the pipes and hope for the best? Okay, so I said there's a lot of lessons in here and a lot of things you've probably learned throughout your career. We're now eight years in. Like I said, this is an overdue conversation, but in our defense, the podcast is only two years old. So, Um, but we still overdue. I want to just quickly touch on this year. So from Orlando to the Flames camp, um, end up with a contract with with Stockton, but they're playing in Calgary this year to try and avoid some of the border stuff. And you get a young goaltender in Dustin Wolf alongside you in, in the early stages in Stockton. And Wolfie's a guy that we're big fans of um, here, here at Engel. We've had a chance to get to know him a little bit and obviously big fans of his game. Um, and so we sent him a text just asking what that was experience was like with you. And both the Flames, like I've heard it from the Flames goalie coaches and I've heard it now from him too, talked about just how positive an influence you were on him. And he talked about um, sort of that, the having fun mantra and how important that is. And if you're having fun, you're going to play well. Was that something that's always been there for you or have you come to that? And do you, and so, so there we go. That is long, long developed. Um, That's tried and true tested research. It's, it's unfailable knowledge at this point though. If, if you're not enjoying it, it's not, it's not going to be pretty. That's like rule number one. Some of the lessons along the way without specifics, like, is this just something that like you've come to in the last little while or just over those eight years? Cause it really seemed to strike a chord with him. Uh, I would honestly say it's, it's been in the process of development slowly over the last two years. I would okay. say it's something that I definitely I would credit, honestly, the biggest change in my attitude in goaltending to playing with Calvin Pickard with the Marlies. Um, 
I think he was the most positive influence on my just ability to relax and trust that I was, you know, ready for whatever moment was coming. Like his, just his aura of, you know, he was serious about what he did. Uh, and he, he, he is, but he's, he's there to have fun with the guys and be the backbone of a team. And I think that if you, you know, take things too seriously as a goalie and you're, you're too clammed up or, you know, you don't have that engagement factor with your teammates, like they're just going to be like, why is this guy, you know, not part of like this team vibe right now? Why is he, why is he kind of isolating himself? It's okay to have your moments to focus and be within yourself on a game day. But I think just interaction with your teammates and letting them know, yeah, it's going to be a fun time out there. Like, let's go give it what we have. It goes a long way. And I think that, you know, when he made his first start, he was like, Wolfie was just very uh, serious about his craft. Like he loves the game. You know what I mean? That's, it's, that's everything to him. And that's how I was at that age as well. And it just resonated with me. I was like, well, man, if I would have known this seven years ago, that if all I had to do is go out there, have fun and enjoy it, play as hard as I can and give my team the best chance I can, like that's, that's goaltending. So, you know, I think that he's going to be able to embody that going forward because he does enjoy goaltending fundamentally, you know, so it'll be easy for him. Well, and that's, that's the passion we were drawn to with him, like all the details that he takes care of. But I guess, like you said, at some point you have to be able to let all those go and just do all the work. But, but once it's time to play, put that smile on and go enjoy that process as well. I think uh, joining this organization, that's one of the, the first things that I noticed uh, just about their demands of each player was just play hard. And, you know, have fun, like play hard and play to your ability and, and enjoy it. And I think that that can serve a, a goaltender, or a winger or a defenseman, you know, very much so. Like you're here to play your game. That's that's an important message to get. And I was going to ask you, I'm not sure who, like who, it's such a weird year. Like I haven't even checked with them to see who you actually get to work with. Like, a, like I know obviously Siggy's around. Um, Jordan Sigalette, Jason LaBarbera is there with the NHL team. I'm not even sure if Thomas Spear, who, who we're also big fans of, has been. I have okay, so, Jersey every day. And okay. He's been great. He's been absolutely great. I wasn't sure if he was like, we're with the borders and everything, if he was up there. So you've guys got, you guys have access to all those voices and all that sort of institutional knowledge in one spot. It's been really nice getting to work with him. Um, we've just been hammering my skating. Something Robin Leonard told me a couple summers ago, I was the worst skater he's ever seen. And I was like, I really took that to heart. So funny thing about Spearsy is I actually skated with him. He doesn't remember at an elite goalies skate in uh, Chicago suburbs like 10 years ago. And I remember him distinctly. Like I remember his pads. I remember where he played. And I remembered he was one of the best skaters I'd ever seen, like just movement wise. And I was like, damn, if I could skate like this guy, I'd be dangerous. So it's a real pleasure to work with him. 
Okay, so I want there's so many different little threads I want to pull on here. I wanted you ask I wanted to ask you because I, I had it written down here where that that mindset of have fun came from because and great to hear that it was pick. Um, but I also know you spent some time in Vegas. And one thing Flowers told us over the years is like like that smile and that back and forth. Like yeah. We all, that matters. He embodies it more than anybody else in hockey. That goes without saying. And it was an absolute pleasure just to get to be around him for the time that I was. Um, it was super impactful. He's the nicest guy. He's the heartbeat of that team. And they're incredible right now riding him. Um, he's, he's doing Vesna things right now. I hope he continues. So uh, all the love in the world for Flower. And that smile, like, like we, we all focus on it and we think it's just, oh, he's got a great personality. But like I've talked to him about how important that is to playing well for him. Like That's, it's at the core. It's hand in hand right? That's why he is so good. Yeah. Yeah. So the other one I wanted to pull on there a little bit was skating. Cause I know you play like you, you, you play out in the summers and I wanted to ask you about that as well. We've heard about the lemon heads and all that stuff. You like to go out and skate, but goalie skating's different. So when you have someone like Thomas Spear talk about goalie skating or your skating, you know, the audience is hundred percent goaltender. So they probably want to know, like, give me some specifics. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So First of all, I'm a terrible skater. <laughs> when I skate out, I just like to put the puck in the net any way I can. Um, however, <laughs> I'm not a great goalie skater either. But that's why I started playing goalie originally is because I wasn't a good skater. But I love hockey. So anyways, uh, it's nice I'm as large as I am. But I think that definitely I've left a lot on the table as far as like the crispness of my footwork could be in that. A lot of that starts in the gym. Um, a lot of that starts with the work that I did all throughout the off season uh, with Ian Mack in Chicago. Shout out Ian. Put in five hard months with him. Um, we really changed the way that my body works and, uh, you know, honestly, the load that I can handle. Um, I just feel like I move better now than I ever have. And uh, there's just like so much more room for improvement, too. Definitely looking forward to continuing that work this summer because um, I, I, you know, over the trial and error period of, of changing your entire sort of routine and trying to heal past injuries and uh, work through different movement patterns that don't serve you, but you've always done as a goalie because maybe you haven't had the proper strength or like skeletal structure throughout your career because you're, you know. 230 pounds at 16, just filling that. So, uh, you know, I've just learned that I kind of had to rebuild my body and take that time away from the grind of everything. If I wanted to have a real sustainable shot at this thing going forward. And of course, people will recognize Ian Mack, right? Uh, Tomahawk Science uh, got a lot of the, the name that people recognize is tied to Patrick Kane and some of the work he's done. Is that, that's a new thing for you em embracing the work with him? Uh, yeah, I started going to him in May. I had no idea what to expect. Um, and it changed my life. He's a great guy. He's a great friend. Um, I tell anybody that asks, like, it was just more with the quarantine and how hard it was to have that season cut short when you felt like you were just starting to hit a stride of sorts and, you know, it left a lot of uncertainty career wise for me. So I, I just needed that direction and that straight path to 
follow and something to chase basically. And I, I had that for months there and, uh, you know, he, he treats me like you would treat Pat Kane and he treats everybody like you would treat Pat Kane. And, you know, I just think that he, uh, he made a profound impact on me as a person and in my career this summer. And, you know, super grateful for all the work that we've been able to put in together so far. I would say that that, that is what I first found, like altering my ability to get across the crease was like, you know, the, the work that you do in the gym, how you warm up each day, how activated everything is and how, you know, interconnected everything is. Like you, you have to be dialed in to, to where you feel you need to be before you get on the ice. Right. And I'm not saying that I do, uh, you know, Superman workouts every morning before I get on the ice. I'm just saying that you have to feel good, you know, in the skin that you're in that day. And you have to know that you're going to have to move when you get out there. You know what I mean? Um, and prepare yourself however you have to on a given day. It, it's funny because movement, like if there's one thing, as much as Wolfie talked about everything he learned from you in terms of mindset and approach and, and, and work ethic, like movement, um, like where there's like, I look at him as sort of one of these new models of efficiency in terms of the way he moves and some of the efficiencies that he's built into that skating. Did you pick up on any of that type of, like, was there, were those conversations, were you guys having those types of back and forth? Yeah, honestly, I think a lot of what Spearsy has been preaching um, not to give Wolfie all the credit for it, but has been inspired a lot by the work that they did together in the summer and Spearsy drawing on the unique talents and skill set that Wolfie has as far as his quickness and his ability to rotate and his ability to stay square to everything and stay in control on his edges. Like those are all very important aspects of modern goaltending, right? You don't want to get caught sliding. You don't want to get caught uh, moving out or, you know, you want to be set and you want to be able to stick with guys who are slippery. So I think, um, you know, if you look back to my stance, probably when I was a rookie 22 in the NHL, like it's like my feet were all the way to the outside of the posts. You know what I mean? Um, and I just wasn't, wasn't the same person at that point. And, you know, you rebuild yourself and, you find a way to be a bit stronger and more narrow in your stance and it gives you stability and the ability to push and stay on your feet and, and not feel like you need to drop on everything. Yeah. But, and, but also in your defense, like, like the games changed too, like, like low and wide and locked in was something that was not just taught, but was having success in the NHL just, you know, a handful of years ago. And now, as you say, like, if you can't move, with these attacks and the dynamic skill that we see from forwards and the East West plays and the ability to, if a guy is locked in, sort of get him down. Like it's kind of changed. Like it, it, as much as you say your stance has changed, like what's being taught, like that evolution is almost as quick as, you know, your own personal evolution. To, to me, it's almost a, you have to revert back to a older school thinking of goaltending while then blending it with, all of modern technique as far as save making goes. Um, like, I just think that old school patience is like what triumphs and like reading the play and understanding where guys have options and, you know, scanning and, and truly being 
aware of what's going on around you definitely serves you. Um, you can't, you can't make a save on something you don't know is going to happen. So, uh, but within that, you can't be sitting back there thinking, you know, you're Tony Romo and you're going to call out exactly what's going to happen. Like you have to follow the puck, like tracking is everything at this point. Um, your eyes will dictate what you need to do in a given scenario. And that's, I think, you know, the most important thing at the end of the day is, is how you're able to track the puck. Are you seeing it or are you not? Are you finding it through traffic? You know, that's kind of the modern game. Cause you know, every goalie in the league at this point, if they can see it, they're going to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting to those spots ahead of it sometimes. And, and like you said, set square, right? Like I said, as simple as it sounds, there's new ways to get there maybe yeah. in terms of efficiency. At the NHL level, it's a little bit different, though. The stick tech that these guys have and the ability that they have to finish is unparalleled, obviously. So um, what I've been seeing at the AHL level, obviously, is very good. But there's definitely another tier that, you know, these goalies, they're dealing with a lot. <laughs> they're dealing with high-end skill. And, uh, you know, I just feel bad whenever I see somebody getting piled on. It's like, you know whatever percentage of saves you're making in the NHL, that's you're still in the NHL making saves. So I, I feel bad for the guys that have gotten off to rough starts and uh, you know, you know, they're better goalies than they're playing right now and they just need a little boost. How do you, how do you look at that then? Like when you're studying NHL players, cause that's where you obviously want to get to versus a different style in the AHL. How do you, find that balance between preparing for that while facing the other? Uh, I just think that you don't get sucked into bad habits if you, if you can avoid it. You know, this, this year is definitely about improvement and, you know, putting in time and working on your game. So I think to repeat the same things that you know are mistakes on a loop is, is pretty uh, damning, right? Like you, you're not going to get any better by just doing the same things you've always done. Like you have to really work to integrate the new skills that you're learning. And, um, you know, in a game scenario, be comfortable playing the way that you want to play and just being ready all the time. So I think, I think that's still an area that I can really improve on too. Um, you know, I think daily day-to-day basis, like practice, like I definitely, uh, make saves to have fun still when I, when I know I could truly be more dialed in on it. Um, but I do enjoy just making saves sometimes, you know, it's like we talked about flower, like everything's not textbook, but it's still beautiful. So it's, who are you to say how you're supposed to do it? You know, so I just, you get- I definitely want to be more hassock than I want to be robotic. Um, it's just, it's understanding what has success in the modern game. You know, you have to have the ability to pull out those paddle saves, but you don't want to rely on, them. you know what I mean? It's um, the sliding scale and everybody's perfect balance is different. Yeah. You need it to be instinct and you need to play within a system, but you can't be afraid to still react when you need to. 
Reminds me of a few practice saves back with the Maple Leafs that I think we highlighted back in the day at Ingle. I happened to capture a couple of spectacular ones on film. I, I just thought of that as you were talking about that because it is a balance, right? Like you want to put the work in and you need to work hard for your teammates to show them that, which you talked about at the beginning. What are you, you know, who are you there? Are you part of this? Yeah. But, but fun and man, you got to go outside the box every once in a while too. And it's a matter of finding, I guess, finding that balance. Real easy to say, probably harder to do. Yeah, uh, it's hard to do when you're not enjoying it, right? So it's uh, it's something that, like, you can't fake a pad stack. You know what I mean? Like, it's Some of just, us, I can't even do a pad stack. Because you want to throw it. That's the only time it's going to work. See, it's a lost it's a lost art. I didn't learn. I didn't start playing until my mid-30s. I don't even know how to do a pad stack. I just, I just end up falling over. It's awkward. Um, we've talked about all these things. It's funny because we're talking about this evolution and all these changes you're making and, and the things you're adjusting to. And I think it's kind of like it's interesting because you're, tr- you're always trying to get better, which is part of the position. It always changes. And yet I l- just looked at the numbers like on your eight year career, like you got a like, career 924 in the American Hockey League. That's pretty freaking good. You got a uh, Bass Bastion Award as a top AHL goal. You got a Hap Holmes Award that I think you shared with Pick for fewest goals against. You got to call the cup championship. Like there's success there at that level. Is it just that the recognition that for everything you've done, if you're not evolving in this position, especially you're falling behind, like is it just a constant yeah. evolution? Cause I feel like we're talking about all these improvements and I'm like, yeah, you but at the same time, let's not lose track of the fact you've had a really good run. The thing is, is I wouldn't ever want to settle for, you know, 920 whatever um like i i want my record to be as good as it's as it can be you know i take pride in uh making every save that i can and i feel like last year uh there was points where maybe i definitely did take it a little bit for granted uh ahead of everything getting shut down and i you know you have to go through stretches where you're kind of disappointed in yourself and, and the effort that you bring. Cause that's the only way that you're going to, you know, find a way to say, Hey, I need to dig deeper and be better. And, you know, yeah, I might have a nine Oh eight or a nine fifteen or, you know, whatever. I might have an eight ninety. Oh my God. The sky is falling. Like I'm only making 89% of the saves. Like there's other factors, right? So, um, I just think that all you can do is make sure that you're in as good a place as you can be like head wise, your head space is everything as a goalie. So if the rest of your life is flying off the hook, you're not going to be very good. So that's one thing I've learned over time too, is you got to stay focused and you got to stay relaxed and anything that doesn't allow you to do that doesn't serve you, uh, in goaltending. So I just, I find that if you're not striving for more though, yeah, nobody's going to have any interest in you. If you're just content being with what you are and uh, over time, just thinking that that's good enough to get somewhere. Like, I just don't see, I just don't see teams wanting somebody who's just like accepts who they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well said. Uh, skill wise you can accept who you are as a person but like 
on a daily basis, you got to be showing up trying to be a better version of yourself. So many, um, you've had a lot of different voices over the years too, right? Like in some big, you know, I, I don't know how much you had Dave Pryor last year in Vegas, but some names with some different philosophies. Um, you know, obviously there in Calgary, we talked about the voices you've got there. Uh, in Toronto, there were different voices at different points, whether you're with the Marlies or, or up with, with the Maple Leafs. How do you, and this, this is probably one where I'm looking more for advice for other goalies that might be going through the same thing. Maybe not at this level, Garrett, but you know, you can, even whether it's junior or even now in minor hockey, you can have your private yeah. goalie coach. You can have like yeah. the, the rep, the, whatever the minor hockey organization's goalie coach You can end up with a lot of different people telling you to do a lot of different things. How have you managed that over the years to sort of continually try and get better, but without losing yourself in that process? I've taken the best pieces of everybody that I've worked with um, and I've hung on to them. Like I've taken what I've felt has served me and I've, I've never let it go. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't served me along the way. And you let that go too. You, know? you have to be willing to tr- have to be willing to try it though. Give it a, give it an honest effort. Yeah, you got to be willing to do exactly what you're being told to do. Um, But ultimately, what matters is that you're making saves. Like I I started, as an example, last year in the AHL, I want to say over like my first nine games or something, I had a 950, I think. And I was like, I was riding hot. And I was just playing hockey. Like I was making saves. I didn't have any business making. I was enjoying it. I was playing for the Wolves. I thought it was sick. I had a ton of pride in it. Um, and, you know, I was just on a really good streak. And there's just a, there's a period of the year where I was up and down a lot. And, you know, that rhythm got disrupted. And, uh, you know, it's like you said, you're just hearing a lot of voices and you're being pushed to do things that maybe you don't want to do or agree with, or, you know, but you do them because you want that opportunity at the next level and you want to prove that you can be the goalie that they want you to be. Um, like if, if you want me to get across the top of the crease in a straight line and make that save on a guy back door, like that's a lot for me at six, three to 10, you know, like it's a huge movement and I'm probably going to have to lunge to a degree if you don't let me get back to my post and just get square. So I'll do it, but it's not my default preference of how I'd like to play, but like, I'll do it. I know one bully in the league that can do it and has success doing it and it's flower. Yeah. So it's like, obviously, I'd love to play like Flower, but like, I'm realistic about like what my body allows me to do. I'd be in the hospital after one try. And I, I've, <laughs> I've banged myself up a fair amount of times doing stuff like that. And I realized that like, it's a position that needs to be played sustainably now. Um, if you want to have a real opportunity at like career longevity and success. You have to find a system that you can play. So if we look back and, and not that we're trying to do a career retrospective, because there's still a path ahead, 
But are there moments that jump out? Like like are like like drafted? Do you have mem- strong memories of the draft? I mean, first game obviously lives in lore. I remember watching your first NHL game, and I mean, you're still like that's a record that never yeah. goes away, right? Like it's first just- Maple Leaf to have a shutout in his debut, twenty five, I think, in the history of the NHL have had a shout out in their first game. This is going to sound a little, little like dramatic and morbid or whatever, but I would say that uh, since I had my concussion, those memories have been harder to, you know, recant. So I'm definitely uh, someone who's living forward in the moment because I've realized at this point, there's no point in like, you know, trying to regain those kinds of sensations or whatever, there's only purpose in in trying to create better memories for yourself, honestly. Um, That's fair. But like, I've, I, I know like in my heart that, you know, I've enjoyed the whole ride. So it's, it's been tough at points, but I'm here still because I like doing it. That passion. I'm good. A lot of people tell me I'm shitty, but I'm good. I I don't even know where to go with that one. Like who's telling you, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, is this a, cause we talked a little bit about social media and, and trying to stay off it and things like that. You've always been a guy that puts yourself out there. Have you, as it like from a mental health standpoint, tried to, to back off some of that stuff? Yeah. I mean, you definitely don't need to engage with anybody. Um, they're the people that are on there saying the things that they're saying generally have no idea what they're saying. Um, real critics in hockey analysts, panelists, guys that get paid money to take kind of shots at people, you know, you think Matt Murray doesn't deal with a lot right now. You think Carter Hart's not getting it from all angles. Like these guys just want to be great goalies and they got people breathing down their backs. Yeah. It's not easy. No. So, you know, like that's what I'm saying is like, I feel for guys like that because they're going to write the ship and, and they'll be great again, you know, and they've already been great. So like, what do they have to prove to anybody? Um, I was going to say the passion for the position, like that you clearly have, that you said, like, because you enjoy it. Where did it start? You said you ended up in net because you weren't the skater, but like th- there must have, was it the get, like there must have been somebody that lit this fire other than, or was it just playing? My, so uh, my career started at the YMCA in Elmhurst. Um, Chicago suburb. Lot, yeah, lot, lots of, lots of history there. Um, but so my dad was a goalie. Okay. Like full right. He played for York High School, which is where I went to high school for three years. And then um, he's an architect now. Definitely the main inspiration for me getting in that. Um, seeing him play early, I just, I remember, I just remember like the, the ferocity of the position, honestly. I remember how terrifying my dad looked in all this gear and how all these things were flying at him and he was just putting them away. Like it was nothing, you know, he played a very athletic old school style. Um, and he was, he was good. You know, he was good. 
and so his his father played uh i I guess you'd call it minor professional around chicago back in the day when it was just i think assault on ice and his brother was a goalie um so just hearing their war stories growing up to you know that added to the fire of the whole thing just knowing that you had guys that we're playing in the crazy old days, you know, and I I'd read a lot about like old time hockey when I was young. Like I wanted to know like what hockey was. I wanted to know who'd won, who was good, you know? And I just, I have always had a ton of respect for like the entire game. I've always found it to be a very fun activity. There's literally, there's just nothing better than being a part of like a great game. I, like you said, (laughs) I started out skating at like six or seven. So it was a little late. Um, But like, I wasn't forced into it. You know what I mean? It's something that like I willingly chose to do. And then uh, our last skate of the whole year, they asked if anybody wanted to play goalie and nobody did. And then like, I was just thinking about it. I was like, my dad's a goalie. Like I, I could do it. Like I'd be good at it but like, I don't really want to do it. You know, I kind of want to score goals, but I was like, I could be a good goalie though. So I raised my hand and then I played and I lost one, nothing. I think I got scored on from the blue line, like five hole, you know, just tried to cover it. And it just went through my legs. And afterwards I was like, I was so good. Like I only let him one, like my team sucks. Like I would have scored <laughs> But you, they, uh, you, you needed to be at the forward too. So you could have got a couple tucks and got the W. Yeah, honestly, uh, I wish I would have played a little bit more, pushed a little bit more to play forward growing up, but I was always really focused on getting to the highest level as a goalie. So it didn't really afford a ton of time for that. So I think that's why, you know, <laughs> having made it to that level at a certain point, I kind of, started playing more forward because I was like, I I've earned the right to at this point. Um, well, there, there's I know reason I'm no, a great goalie, you know, I just want to yeah. continue working on myself as a hockey player. There's a reason nobody plays goal after they're done playing goal, right? They all want to go out and skate, but I loved that word. I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone use that word to describe ferocity. Like I love that description of it. Well, it's, and it's, but that's, I don't know. That's just how I remembered it as, as a child. Right. In it's purest form to me, it was scary. And I think all the best goalies have always had an element of fear to them. And, uh, you know, I think if you don't have fire, you don't have much. And, uh, Piero Greco, my favorite from my time, um, with the Marlies, he would always say, you have to have jam. If you don't have any jam, you're no good. And to me, jam was always just like that burning desire to make saves, being invested in it, you know, having it be your sole focus in that moment. So I, that to me is like, goes hand in hand with having fun, right? If you're enjoying it, you're able to, you know, find that level. But if it's hard, it's hard to find that. Because you, you're cautious. You just don't want to get beat. I love it. 
Um, well, and it's, it's interesting because, I mean, there in Calgary, you've had a chance to watch him. Like, like Jacob Markstrom plays with that fire. Like, he hates to lose. He hates yeah. to give up a goal. Like, that passion burns. And that that's a big part of who he is, I think. I I absolutely love having somebody like him as the, you know, one A, you know, leader of this goaltending department. I think his journey um you know his original nhl experience was obviously challenging for a tough team i'm sure he had a ton of fun in florida um but then he really took on a new role once he went to utica he was the backbone of that team when they won the calder cup and you know i remember playing against him as a rookie he was in san antonio and you could tell he was you know special he was just putting it all together still and just to go up against somebody like him um, at that time was really like inspirational to me, like getting to play against great goalies in the AHL when I was young, I, it was like eye opening for me. Right. It was like your team trusts you to compete with this guy tonight. Like that's crazy. To me. So, um, you know, definitely a guy that I enjoyed getting to see in the AHL climb the ladder, you know, once he'd already been in the NHL, he didn't, it wasn't like, well, that was fun. He was like, no, like I'm going to establish myself and I'm going to take control. And, you know, he did that with Vancouver last year and, you know, he's been a pleasure to watch this year. Uh, it's, it's guys like that, that instill that if you have that fire, you can get to that level. You know, you don't have to muzzle yourself forever. Love it. Um, I wanted to ask you, we talked about gear a little bit. You've had some great tributes, you know, uh, Chris Joswiak, Brian, shout out to all of them for, for always coming up with good looks for you. But I wanted to ask about the mask this year. Um, now I'm going to be honest with you. Like this is going to, this is going to be the, like, this is me. I'm the old, I'm the old people in this thing. I had to look up MF doom. Okay. And that, okay. But there's a passion for music for you too. And I wonder where that fits into you. And finding that balance, is the mask a tribute to that? Or is it just part of that intimidation and that ferocity we talked about? Like, how do, how do all these things fit together? Is there any significance? And music, like, tell us, tell us how, like, where's the passion for music and how it ties into goaltending, even if it's only an escape from it? I, I honestly think the passion for music thing kind of started as another one of those things that people say you can't really do, but I'm also not like super dedicated to learning how to do it. I just kind of do it in my own way. Um, and I don't take it too seriously. I just, it's something that I enjoy, but I just, I find that music is just such a, uh, headspace, like reset, you know, different moments are just tied to songs forever. Uh, the stuff that I listen to while, chasing the Calder cup, like still triggers, you know, specific memories and specific areas. You know what I mean? It's just, there's a lot of uh, mental triggers there. And it just, as I said before, goaltending is all headspace and music has the ability to put you in a good headspace, depending on what you're consuming and what you're giving to yourself. Like if it pleases you, like it pleases you. I'm not here to judge anybody's musical tastes. 
Uh, mine are probably much different than a lot of other people's, but like it works for me. So um, I found a way to use music is definitely something to center yourself and, and prepare yourself for the task at hand that night. And it just, to me, it provides consistency, which is what you're looking for. Oh, so now I got to ask, like, is there a playlist that you could share with us one day or, or like, like, and, and it would it be different for you anyways, because those memories are so tied to getting into a moment that's personal to you history. wise. I, so I, I mean, I, I just, I listen to a lot of different stuff, uh, like just based on the game or the day or like what's going on. Um, but I pretty consistently, I listen to, uh, Lewis, the child, which is a DJ duo from Chicago. Um, but they have these beat tapes called candy and candy Two, And basically it's, uh, like 20 tracks of their unreleased music that they've put together in a consistent mix. And, Candy one is what I wrote to the Calder cup. Like that was like my pregame, like warm up. It was, it's 25 minute mix just had me centered. Like I knew all the cues. I knew all the songs. Like I knew where I was supposed to be in a certain moment. And it was just very centering and it's very uplifting and positive. And then they came out with candy two this year, which I was using in the East coast league early and I, I was enjoying it. Um, but there's something about the original one that I found got me, got me very centered last year with the wolves. I was listening to this one, uh, G Jones, which is like a pretty like hard bass artist. And it was very, uh, it's very mentally stimulating, but it was at certain points, it was a, a, just a lot. If goaltending is a quiet mind sport, it would, it's a lot of noise. Right. So, um, but that's just where my head was at that point. And that's what made sense to me. And that's what resonated with me. And that alone, like it was extremely emotional for me, but it was to, to the average listener, they'd be like, how are you preparing for a hockey game like this? And I would, that's just where I was. So it, it's nice to be more in a, a lighter, like more positive uh, headscape now, but not taking anything away from G Jones as an artist. He's one of my favorites. So that's, there's the balance of, of things like that and recognizing where you are. To go back to the mask, is there a relevance in terms of like, I know we, I know we lost the artist MF doom recently. So, so. MF doom was, uh, somebody that I was listening to a lot during the quarantine actually. Okay. So I, I, I'd go up in a, I have a like workshop space above my garage at home and it's just filled with memorabilia. It's just a very nice centered space and it's a good place to like get going in, in the morning, you know, the sun's out and I just, I think all of that stuff's very important. Uh, you can't lock yourself inside, expect to grow. So I, I just be up there and I'd, I'd be listening to his songs and you know, they just, they had me in a good space in a time that wasn't like super promising or enjoyable. And I just, I really always appreciated, you know, the lyricism of all of it. And the, the beats are always, you know, top notch, like some of my favorite of all time. So, um, but I, I just kind of discovered him in quarantine. So okay. I was really just getting to know him as an artist and, uh, the news of him passing 
came out right around the time that I was designing my mask. And I knew I wanted to do a blasty mask, but I also knew that I wanted to do something that was a little more unique and intimidating, like I said. And it just seemed like the perfect tribute. Um, because to me, he's just, he's so well-respected in the music community. Like it was, it was a pretty big loss. Like I've never seen the volume of artists like across genres, like really reach out and respect and be like, this one sucks. So, you know, it was, it was a cool opportunity to get to do Doug Wager killed it and uh, happy to have it on my head. It's a great, great moment. Weaselhead is is it Doug yeah, yeah. Weaselhead? Yep. I'm gonna make sure we give give the props to the company. Yeah. Yep. It's a it's a victory V8 Spark Spec. Spark Spec. See, hey, now how cool is that? Well, and that's the you thing. You got is, your own spec. I love I love wearing their helmets because they allow me to put a ton of input into them and try and make them as safe as possible for me. Whereas a lot of other mask makers are like, yeah, this is what we make. So. It just that's huge for me after after i got hit in toronto uh we went and kind of redesigned reimagined what the padding and, and shock absorption system of a mask really should be and i've i felt a lot better you know since we've made those improvements nice. and i've taken some other good shots so it's it's nice to have a company that's willing to work with you like that Excellent. Hey, speaking of companies, last one, because this is we're way over here. Um, I'm way over the amount of time I said I'd take of yours. But uh, GGSU and plans like, I mean, obviously, remember that I always wanted to get to one of the beer league camps to embarrass myself in front of you guys. Um, but like, what's the future hold? What are the plans? You just kind of put it on hold and, and maybe dig into it later. Where does it fit in your life right now? I haven't really been super active in the group. I actually left the group for a long time. And okay. I just rejoined probably like two weeks ago, but I don't have Facebook installed on my phone right now. So I haven't even looked, but, uh, you know, I think I was able to create, uh, and not just me, like there was a lot of people that were there before me that held a lot more power. And there were a lot of people that showed up after me that held a lot more power. And I just like to think that, it was a very enjoyable, uh, you know, thing to pass the time when I was a younger kid. It was inspirational. It was cool to see the possibilities of goaltending and what people were doing with their gear and, you know, hear the things that, like, there was knowledgeable voices on there sharing information and uh, everybody had such a love of playing goalie and the gear that, you know, was associated with it. Um, I just, Facebook as a whole is, uh, a changing medium, an ever changing medium. So I like to think that like, yeah, like I, I served the hard years of, of making sure that group got with the times and, you know, I put my neck on the line a lot for a lot of people there and probably shouldn't have, but at the same time, it really was a bit of a family to me at that point. And I would have done anything for them. Um, and I think they have a great group still. I, I know that they get together. I know they still run camps, but I had to focus on my own career. I was putting in, you know, 40 hour weeks on the ice, trying to teach people how to, you know, slide back to their posts. And, and, you know, 
I think we had a lot of success stories. I think a lot of people played goaltending, played the position of goalie better uh, after leaving the camp or at the very least, they had a great time being out there with a lot of like-minded people and, and stopping shots and making big saves. Like it definitely was never about anything other than making sure people enjoyed what they were doing. Um, and, and we had a ton of fun getting to teach people. We had a ton of fun getting to share tips, stories, you know, talk about different experiences we've had in the game, getting all the vendors to come out with demo sets and, and treat, you know, people like they are professional goalies, maybe even better than some professional goalies get treated. Uh, and I know a lot of professional goalies that don't get that level of treatment. So um, I, I'm thankful for the opportunity that I had to run those camps. They were not an incredible money-making venture, but it was a strictly from the heart thing uh, and made lifelong friends, had a ton of fun doing it, would definitely do it again. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, I love Jordan Bennington. He went out and he got the bag and he gets to play hockey for the rest of his life and make a ton of money doing it. And that's the dream for all of us. So you're not going to do that running beer league camps all summer. You kind of got to dial it in. And at the end of the day, it's there for you when you're, when, when you've dialed it in, grabbed the bag and everything is done. A hundred percent. And we'll have a great time. Awesome. I look forward to that in the, like a decade from now, not, not anytime soon, but yeah. So, Hey, listen, uh, like I said, overdue conversation went longer than I expected, but I feel like there's other things we like, I feel like we're just, you and I could probably talk goaltending forever. Like we're just going to have a weekly thing now. Yeah, no, it was great, man. I really appreciate it. I know our audience is going to absolutely love this, Garrett. So thank you so much for the time. Um, And, uh, you know, we won't take two years to do it again next time. Sounds perfect. Thanks for having me on. So I want to go back to the start, and he is fascinating. I got to have a couple of off the record, not off the record, but side conversations with him when he was uh, up and down uh, between Chicago and and Vegas and just just talking gear and talking goaltending and he's a fascinating fascinating human being and I, and I love it so uh, good luck to him and I I'm most confident and most buoyed by the fact that he's enjoying himself again and it looked like that's what was happening in the Toronto Marlies and it looked like he lost that a little bit, uh, and that's nobody's fault, but the pressure uh, cooker of professional sports will do that to you. I'm happy that he's uh, having some fun with it again. Yeah, and nothing but great things to say about his experiences in Calgary, too, and we've talked about that, right? We had uh, we had Siggy, Jordan Sigalette, and Jason LaBarbera. The, the, when, they, when they first announced they were going to a goaltending department, we had those two on, so you know what they bring. Um, just raved about his work with Thomas Spear as well. And just loves the fact that they're all there. I mean, the Flames, you know, at a time when other teams are cutting, they invested in a goaltending department and then they moved their farm team from Stockton to Calgary so that they would have access to all those players so they wouldn't have to worry about quarantines in two weeks to call guys up. And so to have all those guys all with eyes on the goalies and all sort of working together in a collaborative environment, like what a great atmosphere. And Garrett talked about that as well, about how, how good that's been for him and how, how like, you know, how, how good he thinks those guys are. And 
Don't forget, this is a guy who like he had Francois Lair for a little bit in Toronto. Like he's worked with some pretty big names in goaltending and just raves about the department that Calgary's got going there and the environment it's created. So um sounds like a good one for him all around. A, a longtime listener and a first time interview with Garrett Sparks. Uh, that's uh, that was a lot of fun to listen to. I knew he would be really cool and take you in a lot of different areas. So uh Woody, good job on that. As we uh, ask you to uh rate, subscribe. Like, subscribe if you're listening to us on on the podcast and uh, watching the various uh, YouTube uh, offerings that we have up on the YouTube channel. Uh, What's going on on the website uh, this week? Uh, What do we have to tell the people and uh, how do we get them more involved if they're new to this product? Well, how about like a double hit of pro reads? Okay, good. A bonus episode because Jake Allen, we caught up with him and went over some video with the Montreal Canadiens, which we'd kind of been waiting to do. An opportunity in the schedule presented itself, but his pro reads were so good. Like we talked to him during the pause. So while he was still with the blues and he, we spent over an hour with him. We have a podcast episode and then another hour where we just did video breakdowns and he was so good that I did not want to waste them. So we kept rolling out the blues ones even after he started with montreal and we had one last one we rolled out this week and then we thought to hell with it our audience is awesome let's reward them with a bonus we went double dip fresh pro reads on tuesday and another one on wednesday his last one with the blues his first one with montreal both of them deal with post play he's such a well thought goaltender so articulate and he explains his thought process decision making and reads so well If you're a young goaltender, a beer league goaltender, an aspiring pro, there is something in there that will help you get better at the game in terms of how he approaches it. Things Maybe you don't implement all of it, but elements to how he approaches it. And he's so good at video of explaining it all. So if you want to check it out, ingoalmag.com. It's obviously the Ingoal premium membership um, that you have to buy to, to have full access to those videos. We now have 66 pro reads up. And if you subscribe now, if you're a new subscriber and you subscribe annually, you get access to all 66 of those old ones. And then once a week, a new one every week for the next 52. So I honestly, like nobody else does this. You can't get it anywhere else. And from a value perspective, like just the pro reads alone, um, you know, definitely, I think it's what it works out to like a buck a week, basically for these things. It's a buck a week, but it's it's like less than 50 cents a pro read if that's the only thing you want. Canadian. Yeah. It's crazy. Canadian, so it's practically free. Can't even get cream in your coffee for that much. So, yeah, it's a a pretty good deal. It is the most unique goaltending content that you can get anywhere. Yeah, there are not very many places where you get to... Basically, it's not quite this extreme, but it is almost like we are taking you into a video session where... With their, with their goalie coach, except the difference is instead of their goalie coach telling them, it's just them walking through what they see, sharing their reads, sharing their save selections, sharing their depth selections, sharing how they find sight lines on plays, why they choose short side, why they choose middle, when, the factors, all the things that we need to understand as goaltenders to play the game better, they break it all down. And I can't, you know, like, I think we got to give kudos and thank you, not just to Jake Allen, who's been so gracious with his time with these, but just everybody. Um, you know, we've got five new guys in the queue that we're rolling out a new guy each week. I got a couple of guys set up for, for this weekend, for the next couple of weeks. Um, the willingness of these NHL guys to spend the time to go through these because they know what it's being used for, for kids to sort of try and learn how to read the game better has been just off the charts and we can't thank them enough for the time. You're right. Thank you to everybody, each and every one of you. And if you do want to get involved, 
where do you go? I know. Ingoldmag.com. It's that simple. Right on that main page, you'll see a little banner there for how you can subscribe. And if you're a parent who's listening to this and you'd like to get it as a gift for your uh, son or daughter, there's a little link right up in the top right of the website where you can click and, and send a gift for birthday, Christmas, or just for being a great kid. Awesome. I uh, love it. Uh, thanks to Cam. Thanks to Garrett. Thanks to Kevin and Dave. Uh, a lot of fun on this episode of In Goal Radio, the podcast where passion fires and sparks fly. Have a good week, everyone.